So I'm going to invite our senior pastor, Van Cochran, up to bring the message. Thanks, Nick. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you again here. Uh, Isn't it good to be able to be here, like on a regular basis to come here, just to to soak in the atmosphere, to uh, hear about good things God's doing and opportunities? And and later when we get to worship, God's presence is going to be here just in a profound way. And that's, that's really what our hearts long for. That's really what our hearts desire. So let's start off with a joke or two here, okay? <clears throat> I'm just going to read this to you this morning. Okay, Eve in the Garden of Eden said, God, I have a problem. It's a beautiful garden, but I'm lonely and I'm sick of eating apples. Okay, God said, I'll create a man for you. Eve said, What's a man? He's a creature with aggressive tendencies and an enormous ego who doesn't listen and gets lost a lot. (laughs) But he is big and strong. He can open jars and hunt animals, and, and he's fun to have around. Sounds great, said Eve. There's just one other thing. He's gonna wanna believe I made him first. All right. One more here, okay? All right, listen to this one. This is pretty good here. All right, what were the final words spoken at the Last Supper? Does anyone know? Here it is. Everyone who wants to be in the picture, get on this side of the table. All right. Laughter is a gift from God. The more, we, the, the more laughter that's in your life, the better. The more laughter in your home, the better. But uh, we have a really a great message today, and then we're going to have some powerful worship later. But, but today, the message, we're going to focus on kingdom faith. Have a, have a powerful Bible story we're going to look at. And I want to pray right now before we actually dive into it. So, Father, uh, we're just so thankful that we can know you. Thankful that you've allowed us not just to hear about you and not just to be somehow legally attached to you, but we can know you as your children and you are our father. We ask today that you would reveal more of yourself to us. And Holy Spirit, you are God present with us. Just reveal more and more of the father's love. Show us more and more of who Jesus is. Speak to our hearts today and draw us into a deeper, deeper relationship with the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been, um, for, for the uh, last month or so, been looking at the kingdom of God. And the very first message we did, we looked at the, really the essence of the kingdom. And I think to summarize the kingdom in, in just the, the shortest way possible, I would go to the Lord's Prayer where Jesus said that we were to pray, let your kingdom come. And then the next phrase is explanatory. It is, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when you think of the kingdom of God, that small phrase, on earth as it is in heaven, that explains the kingdom from our perspective today. On earth as it is in heaven. 
Now, if you want to, if you want to uh, li- learn more about that, go back and pick up the message. Uh, I think it was the week before Christmas or in mid-December where we talked about this. But then we looked at kingdom joy, and we saw that Jesus gives us His joy, and that it's it's not He doesn't just tell us have joy; He actually gives us His joy. And he says that when we receive his joy, there's no one that can take it away from us. So the Holy Spirit living in us gives us the joy of Jesus. And, and we, we need to hold on to it because no one can, we, we can give it away, we can walk away from it, but no one can take it away from us. We looked at kingdom character and what it takes to uh, really to steward a work of God because we're all called to be part of his family but also part of his army in this world, carrying the kingdom into the world. And what type of character does it take to steward a a fresh move of God in the world? We looked at God's goodness and what it means to taste his goodness, to to move into a deeper, deeper experience of God. And and today, what uh, we're gonna focus on is faith. But before we get to that, I wanna mention the one other topic that we talked about, and that is kingdom leadership. And I'm kind of fascinated with this topic because uh, it's very clear in Scripture that there are individuals in the church body that are gifted by the Holy Spirit in leadership, and that that's going to be their main function. The, the main thing they do is going to be leading. But we're looking at this, and, and we're beginning to understand that just as the Holy Spirit gives certain people gifts of leadership, all of us have the Holy Spirit in us, and all of us have leadership, because leadership is influence. And when I exercise influence, I am leading. And the Holy Spirit being in us, he moves us to do things that are going to impact and influence the lives of others. And so we all are leaders, and we really need to get in touch with that. Because if we don't, then many of us are going to hang back at crucial moments when God wants us to step up. And, and by getting in touch with it, I mean, we, we really need to try to sharpen our leadership skills. And if you're called to be a leader, if that's your main function, then all the more. But all of us need to get in touch with this and accept the fact that as a kingdom of God person with the Holy Spirit living in me, I, I am a leader. And, and so today we're going to look at faith, kingdom faith. We're going to look at the story of a man who illustrates kingdom faith for us. But because leadership is so much on my mind and heart lately, I'm going to not only draw out some principles of faith as we look through this passage, but I'm going to uh, make a couple of observations about leadership as well as we work our way through this passage. So the setting today is that um, Jesus is headed to Jerusalem for the Passover. This is his final Passover. I mean, at this point, when we read this story, Jesus is just literally days away from going to the cross. And so, as he travels to Jerusalem for this great uh, Jewish festival, Passover, uh, there are thousands of other pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. And he has used the traditional route coming down the Jordan River, coming to the city of Jericho, which is at the base of the mountain. And from Jericho to Jerusalem is a 15-mile walk up into the mountains. And so Jesus and his uh, entourage, you know, Jesus is a well-known rabbi. 
Everyone knows who he is. And any well-known rabbi in those days when they traveled, they had a whole troop of people with them. They had their immediate disciples, their students that they were working with, as well as others that just wanted to tag along and hear and listen. And oftentimes as they walked, the rabbi would actually teach as they walked. That was kind of customary, that as they're walking down the road, the rabbi is talking and teaching. And as I read this story, I kind of picture that that's what was happening. In the story, they've just left, they've just left Jericho, heading up the, into the mountains to Jerusalem. And, I, and I've kind of pictured this as Jesus has just started into a new teaching. He's just started into some new uh, story or uh, some new avenue of opening, their, their opening up truth to these people. But here's how we read the story. It starts in verse 46. Here's how it goes. We're in um, Mark 10. It says, and they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now, I, I'm calling this kingdom faith because the, the healing that took place here did not happen because Jesus laid hands on him. A lot of different ways healing occurs. Sometimes Jesus would lay hands on people. Sometimes he would give them something to do, like he would put mud on their eyes and they would have to, as an, as an act of faith, go somewhere and wash the, wash the mud off their eyes. But in this case, he just simply says, your faith healed you. And so in this case, this man was able to apprehend the healing that was available to him apart from Jesus actually doing anything other than recognizing his faith and acknowledging that, that his faith was of such a level that it was going to, that it had actually brought healing to him. Now, the first, before we get actually into talking more about that, I want to make this first point on leadership, all right? And, and it's this. An unknown person can influence generations. An unknown person can influence generations. Look at this, man. Bartimaeus was a beggar. He was blind. People tried to ignore him when they walked past him. They didn't want to make eye contact. They didn't want to stop and have a conversation with him. He was just part, he was just part of the... Just, just part, he was just a fixture sitting alongside the road to most people. And in those days, when someone was blind, uh, they, they didn't have Braille at that time. So a blind person couldn't actually read Scripture for themselves. Therefore, they could not be immersed in Scripture to the degree of other people in the culture. And as a consequence of that, as, as a religious, from a religious viewpoint, they were viewed uh, really without any respect whatsoever. 
Like if there's a religious conversation going on and there happens to be a blind guy there, nobody wants to hear his opinion because he doesn't know the Bible. He hasn't read the Bible. And, and so here is this man who has no influence whatsoever in his culture. And yet today you and I are looking at his life to learn about kingdom faith 2,000 years later because this man had leadership. And because he stepped out, and because he had the courage to step out, he demonstrates for us, he leads the way for us. So I just want to say, never underestimate the truth that with the Holy Spirit in you, God can use you as a leader. He wants to use you to influence other people. Never underestimate the truth that God has placed leadership in each one of us. And we all can be aware, need to be aware of that. And, and simply by following Jesus, as we're going to see, simply by following Jesus, we exercise leadership. But um, let's, look, let's look at Bartimaeus' faith, all right? First thing I want to say is this, that uh, faith anticipates God's presence. All right, faith anticipates God's presence. And with his presence, his goodness And what that does is it fills our hearts with hope. It fills our hearts with hope so that when we anticipate God's presence, then we we are able to hold on to hope. And Bartimaeus was a man who held on to hope. Now, let let me back up and tell you why I I said anticipates. The way I look at this, it really looks like a setup to me. I, I think Bartimaeus knew who Jesus was He knew enough about the Old Testament to call him the son of David. He knew enough about the kingdom to know that if he he could get a face-to-face meeting with Jesus, he could be healed. And so I think Bartimaeus reasoned this way. The Passover is coming. Jesus will probably go to the Passover. If he does and he takes the traditional route, he'll have to go through Jericho and he'll have to come out of this gate onto this road going to Jerusalem. And so that's where I'm going to be. And I picture this. I, I kind of picture Bartimaeus. Every time he hears a new, a new throng of people coming, a new crowd moving up the road, he's asking the people around them, who is it? Who is it? What's happening? And as soon as he hears it's Jesus, he already has this planned. He knows what he's going to do. And so he has anticipated having this God moment where he gets to encounter the the son of David. And that that fills his heart with hope. I have a definition for hope here for us. So listen to this. I think it's up on the screen. Is that right? Hope. 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 There it is. All right. Hope is a sense of confidence and well-being in the heart of a person who hasn't yet seen their prayer answered. It, it's, just, it's a sense of, I, I have confidence and, and I feel okay about life. I have a sense of well-being even though my prayer hasn't yet been answered. Why? Because I anticipate God's presence. I anticipate his goodness and I am confident in it. And, and so we all want to live with hope, but when we anticipate the presence of God, we are able then to walk in hope. The psalmist said this in Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen. He said, I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
Okay, you see that I would have, I would have lived in despair except for this one thing. I anticipated God's presence. I anticipated that I'm going to experience his goodness. I'm going to see God. And so faith anticipates God's presence and that fills our hearts with hope. The second thing is this. Faith actually sees kingdom blessings. It sees kingdom blessings and that makes us passionate. And, And believe me, Bartimaeus was passionate he was determined. When we see kingdom blessings and we become passionate, then we're unstoppable because we've seen the blessing. We know what, we, we know what is there, what God has for us, and we're going to go for it. And no one can stop us from pursuing that. Nothing will stop us from pursuing that. And so Bartimaeus, it says, when he heard that it was Jesus, he began to cry out. This is verse 47. And say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and so when it says he began to cry out, that means he was, cry, he was shouting this out at the top of his lungs over and over and over and over again. And it was annoying to the people around him. But he didn't care. He, he's going for it because he's seen God's goodness. He's seen the blessing of the kingdom. And, and so he wasn't afraid or embarrassed. He wasn't afraid to draw attention to himself. A beggar, probably dressed in rags, not not anyone to look at, and yet he doesn't worry about about drawing attention to himself. Now, you might ask yourself, well, how do you get to the point that you are so passionate that you don't care what anybody thinks? You know, I just want more of God. I I just want more of God, and I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to... and, and pretty soon you find yourself expressing yourself physically in worship to God and not caring about what other people around you are thinking. Or, or you find yourself coming to the front for prayer when prior to that you had been afraid, if I go up front, people are going to think there's something really wrong with my life or, or I'm... I'm I have some big sin in my life or something, and I'm going to be embarrassed. How do you get past that so that we can be like Bartimaeus? Well, one way to look at it would be to say this. You have to get in touch with your pain, and your pain has to become so great that it outweighs your sense of shame and embarrassment. Okay? Now, there's some truth to that. But what I would call, when that happens, what I would call that is desperation. And, and the way I'm looking at this, desperation is me wanting to get rid of something so badly that I'm, I'm just desperate to get out of this situation. I'm desperate to get past this sickness or this ailment or this relational problem, or this heartache. I'm just desperate to get out of this. But passion is different than Desperation. Passion is when I want to get to something, not away from something. Passion is when I've tasted something, I've seen something, and I want more of it. In fact, in um, one verse in the Bible, Matthew six thirty three, Jesus said this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. And he's talking, the other things are possessions, Food, clothing, all the basics of life that we worry about. He says, don't worry about those things. Seek my kingdom first. Seek the kingdom of God first. And then that other stuff will take care of itself. 
That word seek is an interesting word because it, it, well, it really means to seek. It means to search for something, go to place from place to place looking for something. But it also has in, in its background the sense of craving something, craving for something. In other words, having this inner desire that is not based on logic, but it's just based on having tasted something really, really good and I want more of it. I used to uh, really love to eat ice cream. And as a kid, I'd eat like huge bowls of ice cream with chocolate and nuts on them. And even for probably the first 20 years of our marriage, I did that. I don't anymore because it wasn't, you know, you get to a point where your metabolism is such that if you keep doing that, you just keep getting bigger and bigger. And so I, I weaned myself off of ice cream so that I don't walk around desiring it anymore. But last year we went to um, a, a little, little shop up the street here called Orange Leaf. They serve yogurt. Okay. That's better than ice cream. At least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> and really, when you put uh, chocolate and nuts on it, you can't tell the difference. <laughs> and so we took friends up there a couple of times, and I had this ice cream, vanilla ice cream with chocolate and nuts on it. And now, do you know what? When I drive past Orange Leaf, if, unless I'm thinking about something else, I crave, I, I crave that Sunday. I want to pull in and, and have more because I tasted it. If I hadn't tasted that, I had already weaned myself away from even thinking about the taste of ice cream. But if I hadn't tasted that, and so I tasted it and I craved more. You see, this is where our experience of God, our tasting of his goodness, our seeing his kingdom makes us want more. And so it's not just a matter of, I've got this pain in my life and I've got to get rid of this pain. I'm desperate to get rid of this pain. I'll do anything to get rid of this pain. Even let these people pray for me. It's, it's, I want to get beyond that. This type of faith that Bartimaeus had was not just, I want to get rid of my blindness. It is, I want what God has for me. And, and as it is, as on earth as it is in heaven, is there blindness in heaven? No, there's not. And so I want what heaven has. And so it's more of a craving that, that creates this incredible passion and that moves our hearts to desire more and more and more of God and everything he has for us. And so uh, Bartimaeus could see the kingdom of God and because of that, he, he was able to, to develop this passion for what God had for him. Now, Faith ignores negative voices. That's my third point. And do you know what that does? That keeps our hearts right. It keeps our hearts right. Because here's what happened. It says, many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, in Luke's gospel, the same story, he says, those who led the way, those who were leading the procession, told him, they're telling him to be quiet. And so that very likely was some of the apostles, just like they told the children not to bother Jesus. And here, this is where it comes in that rabbis taught as they, as they walked. I picture Jesus in the middle of a thought. He's speaking something out. And the apostles are thinking, how dare you interrupt Jesus when he's in the middle of his message? 
And then others are probably thinking, I want to hear the next thought. I, I want to hear what he has to say. Be quiet. I can't hear him. And, and so they're taking leadership, aren't they? This is my second leadership point. They were taking leadership. They were stepping up. They were, they were trying to influence the situation and make it better according to their thinking. The problem was their values were wrong. Problem was they had forgotten that Jesus came to bring the kingdom And in Luke 4, when that is described, you know how it's described? It's described that he's going to come and he's going to heal the sick. He's going to raise the dead. He's going to open deaf ears. He's going to free the demonized. And he is going to open the ears of, or open the eyes of the blind. That's clear. That's why Jesus came. And here they're thinking, well, no, I want to hear the next thought. I, gotta, I, gotta, I, I didn't get that last point, Jesus. Can you repeat it? And, and you over there, shut up so I can hear him. Now, honestly, that's probably where I would have been. You know, I'm kind of like a guy that likes order. I like things to be done at the right time. Don't talk while someone else is talking and that sort of thing. But, but they had it wrong. And, and so this is my point. Leadership must be based on kingdom of God values. Not our preferences or our desires, but kingdom of God values. And so here, Bartimaeus, he is um, looking at him. He pushes right past the resistance. And not only does he not stop, he intensifies his, his uh, cry. He cries out all the louder, Jesus, have mercy on me. And, and so how did he do that? Well, First, I want to point this out. He did not try to defend himself. He didn't stop and interact with the people trying to tell him to be quiet. He could have done that. He could have said, wait a second, you're violating my rights, and I, and I, have, I can do that, and, and, and I'm just as important as you are. And he could have gotten into this debate with them about whether he was really wrong or not. And by the time the debate is over, Jesus is down the road and gone. He could have been so angered that they would disrespect him like this that he embraces this grudge in his heart, this bitterness in his heart. And, and because of that, he's stopped dead in his tracks in his pursuit. But you see, he saw something bigger. He saw, he saw the kingdom. He saw God. He saw God's goodness. And because of that, this is irrelevant to him. He, he didn't take up a grudge against them. If he had, it, do, do you know what happens when we take up an offense and, and we, when we develop a grudge against someone? What we're doing is we're making them the center of our lives, more important than God. Because I'm saying, I can't be at peace unless that person apologizes. I can't be at peace unless that person respects me. Or maybe, on the real dark side of this, I can't be at peace until that person gets what they deserve. But what we need to remember is that just keeping a free heart, keeping a good heart is just crucial to the whole idea of us maintaining faith because just blowing that off, don't care what you guys are saying, I see God. I see Jesus is here. I want to see Jesus. And, and so faith just blows past, it pushes right past the negative voices and uh, doesn't allow it to stop, stop us. So fourth point is this, faith responds quickly, quickly. 
And, and what this does is it speaks to the whole issue of expectation, of, of our expectation of what God's doing. So Jesus stopped, it says in verses 49 and 50, and he said, call him. And, and they called the blind man. Now, I don't know if it's the same people or not, but there's some now, maybe it's the very same ones. Now they're saying to him, take heart. Hey, we told you to be quiet before. Forget that, okay? Be encouraged. Take heart. He's calling you. And so how, how does the blind man respond? He throws off his cloak and it, he just casts it aside, the text says. He just, he casts his cloak aside. That's a significant thing because the cloak was like everything in those days. And especially to a person like this, that's what he slept in. That's what he, he carried his stuff in. It, it, it's, it's a very significant thing that he just cast it aside. Because listen, what if he doesn't get healed? How's he going to find it again in this crowd of people? Uh, what if someone takes the money he's collected? But he, he, he doesn't worry about that. He casts this aside. And, and then it says, he sprang to his feet. He sprang up and came to Jesus. You know, I, I don't know a whole lot about blindness, but I've not seen a blind person spring to their feet too often. Normally, a blind person is very tentative. Uh, they have to be because they don't know what's, what's there. And they have to be cautious. But, but Bartimaeus casts all of that aside. Now, why? Because even though he's blind uh, in physical eyesight, in his spiritual eyesight, he has seen something greater. He's seen the kingdom. He's seen what, what heaven has for him, and he wants it, and he just responds instantly. And uh, he, could have, he, could have, he could have said, well, wait a second, I have to find someone to take care of my cloak. And hey, would you take care of the money I've collected because I don't want anyone to take that. I've, you know, it's my money and don't you take any of it, but I'm gonna leave it here. I mean, he could, if he had done that, then again, Jesus is down the road by the time he's finished taking care of all of that. And we are like that. We are. Many times we, we hear God speak or he touches us in some way. Or there's a word given from the front that applies to us. And, 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 and we, instead of just, just jumping up and responding to it, we say things like, you know, I, I'm working on this project at home. I don't have time to go get prayer. I've got to go home and get back into my project. Or, or we might say, well, I need to wait until I have more energy. I don't have enough energy to get prayer right now. Or, or we might say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure it's you calling me, Lord. I'm not sure this is you, God. So I want to make sure it's you, God, before I respond. And I mean, th that is such a deception of the enemy that if I respond and it's not really God, then I've done something horrible. No, if I think Jesus is calling me and I respond, he's going to be pleased. He, even if it's not him, he's going to be pleased because in my heart, I'm responding to him. And, or, or this even, I need to wait until I'm ready. I'm just not ready for this. You know, I'm just not ready for it. And I think that's a lie from the kingdom of darkness. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm not ready to be healed. I'm not ready to be freed. I mean, what does that mean even? All it means is that I'm locked in this thinking of 
I have this sickness or I have this depression or I have this sin that's gripping my life and I'm locked into it so tightly that I can't conceive myself stepping out of it. And and again, it really comes back to God, show me the greater thing. Show me your kingdom. Let me see your kingdom with the eyes of my heart so that I, I won't hesitate. But when you touch me, when you speak to me, I'm gonna respond immediately. You see, I, I do believe there are key moments. In Luke 5, it says of Jesus in his ministry that the present, that the Lord was present that day, and so Jesus healed everybody. Now, I don't know entirely how to put this all together because Jesus is the Lord, and he, Jesus had the fullness of the Holy Spirit in him, but in some other way, there was an anointing on that day that was different from other days. And that was the day you want to run up front for prayer, okay? And, and so there, there are key moments that we don't want to miss. Now, God's gracious, and he's kind, and he's redemptive, and re, he restores, and there, there will be other opportunities, but why wait? Just go. The moment he speaks, go. Like, j- just like Bartimaeus did, faith responds quickly. But then finally, faith sees God and it asks big. Well, I want to back up here to the the third leadership point before we move on. And that is this. Simply following the heart of Jesus makes us leaders. Okay, these people are leading now. They were leading before telling Bartimaeus to be quiet. Now they're telling him, hey, come on, he's calling you. They're influencing him. They're speaking. They're, they're They're drawing him closer to Jesus, and all they did at this point was just follow the heart of Jesus. So listen, if you and I just walk in the, in the presence of God, and, and if I follow the heart of Jesus, and everybody I meet, I'm, I'm just allowing Jesus to love them through me, and I'm allowing him to fill me with his love, and I'm loving them with his love, there are going to be people that are going to want to know they're going to be people that we influence through that love and, and through the heart of Jesus. In fact, if you remember last week, I referred to that passage in the Old Testament where it says, in that day, in the, the day we live in today when the Holy Spirit is in everyone, he says, ten, 10 men from all the nations are going to grab hold of one Jew and say, take me to God. Now, when he says lay hold of one, one Jew, he's... he's He's, he's saying God's people, one of God's people. They're going to lay hold, hold of one of God's people and say, we see God on you. Show us how to find God. And so just by walking in the presence of Jesus, we influence others. And that makes us leaders. But um, th- this final point is faith sees God and asks big. Here's what we read. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Because of his expectation, because of what he saw about God's kingdom, he was able to ask big and and to walk into the fullness of the kingdom. But, But why did Jesus ask him, what do you want? I mean, it was obvious what he needed, but here's the thing. If he wasn't, this guy wasn't a project to Jesus. He wasn't just another healing of blind eyes to Jesus. He was a hurting human being. 
And so personal attention. Jesus always had time to give personal attention to people. And so he just, he cares about the guy. So he's interacting with them. Well, what do you want? And, 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 and as well, it really makes this man it, think about what do I want? That question might have resonated in his mind and heart for weeks and months and years to come. You know, Jesus asked me, what do I want? Well, I've got the healing in my eyes now. What do I want? I want more of God. I, I really want to know God. It could have been for that purpose. But it, it also, when he forces the man to say, or when he draws this out that the man actually says what he wants out loud, that in and of itself is an act of faith, stating it. That's risky. Everybody here, I want, I want to see, I want to be healed of my blindness. Everybody hears that. What if he doesn't get it? So it's a risk. It's, a, it's an act of faith. But Stating it out loud is a connecting point with the heart of God because of this. God created the world through speaking. And he made us in his image. And so there is something to this whole idea that when I speak something, it, it, as a statement of faith, as a declaration of faith, th- there is something to that of me releasing kingdom power into my life and into the world simply through stating it. And so here this man is speaking out what is in heaven and what he wants to see on earth. On earth as it is in heaven, he's speaking that out and that actual act of speaking it out is an act of cooperation with God and and a connection with the heart of God that releases the kingdom into his life and, and brings about the healing. Now, Don't hold back, okay? Ask big. Ask big. Ask God to show you more of who he is so that you're not just asking out of desperation to get out of a difficult situation, but you're asking because you really recognize this. heaven has this. And and Jesus said, as it is on earth, as it is in heaven. And and so I, I want God. I want his goodness and I want everything he has for me. And, and so ask big. Just ask yourself, what, what is it that you want? And, and ask God to show you more of himself so that you'll want more of him and more of what he has for you. And when we do that, then we begin to walk in this type of kingdom faith. And, and there's a power that comes with that and a joy and a purpose in life that we won't find any other place or any other way. So I, I'm gonna just pray right now and then Nick's going to come up and lead us into the next um, part of his service, of the service. But uh, Father, just ask you now to reveal yourself more to us. Just reveal more of yourself to us. Let us see you. Let us see your goodness. Lord Jesus, let us see your kingdom and all that you have for us in your kingdom. Create a craving within us for more and more and more of who you are and of your kingdom in our lives and in this world today. In Jesus' name, amen.